0: It's time to reveal the prize and clue start dates for Cycle Search 2022, presented by Total Media, along with the Tri-State Power Sports Superstore, Honda Suzuki Polaris Can-Am of Jackson. This year's prize is a KO250 Dirt Bike, along with an accessory package valued at over $4,500. That's right, a KO250 Dirt Bike. Clues begin on Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. There'll be one clue each day, Monday through Friday, till the prize pack is found, pack is hidden somewhere in the listening area. Be safe when searching, and good luck. It's Cycle Search 2022, sponsored by Total Media and Honda Suzuki Polaris Can-Am of Jackson.
1: Well, happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Morning Show right here on Main Street TV. Of course, Jennifer here to start off your morning with our good friend Pete Wilson and the morning news update. And of course, that's always brought to you by Nia Henry, agent for Appalachia Realty. And if you're looking to buy or sell or have any real estate needs, please give her a ring. She'll answer the phone, 740-418-4135. Okay, Pete Wilson. You have a stack of news over there that's about an inch and a half thick.
2: Right. Well, you know, a lot going on, and that's why we're here. To yes. Try to update everybody on uh, some of the stories that are ongoing and new ones and things on the uh, agenda for well- later in the week and and. Beyond that,
1: lots. I have a news story for you today. It's raining outside.
2: Oh boy! Holy
1: yep. moly! Yeah,
2: we're we're back where there's no windows, but we can hear it on the roof. Yeah, it's, I, I believe the believe the forecast says we're going to get some more. We'll we'll go into that a little later. I know. All right. Well, as far as the news goes, we will start off with an update on uh, last week's blockbuster story. That yeah. is the investigation of the double homicide in Benton County. Uh, If you hadn't heard the news or just to review, uh, this all broke on Tuesday. Uh, Some of the uh, facts and details came out just a little later. Uh, This is a shot of where the double murder took place. Uh, This is a residence. Uh, It's back there a little bit uh, on this access lane. Uh, There's a house back there at the end of the access lane where the vehicles are parked. That's off Frazee Lane near MacArthur, about a half mile outside of the village of MacArthur off State Route 93. And at that residence, uh, two persons were found dead as a result of gunshot wounds. Uh, Those victims were Jory Brown, age 31, that is a female, and Lawrence McMichael, a male, age 29. Jury is from MacArthur. I'm not sure whether that's her residence or not where that occurred, but she does have a MacArthur address, and Lawrence McMichael has an address in Asheville. And uh, there have been two suspects who have been uh, arrested and charged in connection with their murder. They were apprehended later in the day in Wellston, as so a matter of fact. So
1: people don't have to be worrying that there's... Somebody well, out.
2: One of the first things the Vinton County Sheriff's Office said, and this is a good thing for law enforcement agencies to do when they do release information, there is no longer any danger to the public, okay. meaning that there, you know, there isn't somebody uh, accused of murder who may be armed and loose and, and desperate. Right. So okay. uh, that is certainly the case in, 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 in this instance. Uh, the two suspects who uh, are charged right now are Christopher Schutz. Uh, who is 34 years old from Wellston, and Shania Nicole Jones, who is 26 years old from Wellston. Uh, Mr. Schutz has an address of Broadway Street in Wellston, uh, and Jones has an address of Grady Lane in Wellston, which is the Bundy Heights apartment complex. Okay. They, once again, they were both arrested later in the day on Tuesday. Now, an update from what we were telling you last week. Initially, they were arrested and charged with murder. Uh-huh. They are in the Southeast Ohio Regional Jail in Nelsonville awaiting, uh, you know, further proceedings. There was a video arraignment that has already taken place. Uh-huh. Uh, after, uh, later in the day, Thursday, and after, you know, we discussed this on the news, uh, I talked with Vinton County Prosecutor Jim Payne, who, of course, is handling, uh, you know, the criminal case there. Uh, With the support, of course, of the Vinton County Sheriff's Office and the Ohio BCI, which are the investigators in this case, Mr. Payne told me uh, that since uh, the charge of murder was filed, there was also charges of tampering with evidence. And there are two counts of murder, two counts of tampering with evidence because we have two two victims in this case. Now, one of the big things that is going to be decided, according to Mr. Payne, is, and this is not an easy decision, especially if we're a small county, is this going to be a capital case? Sure. Capital case meaning that if there is a conviction based on the, the charges, uh, could there be a death penalty involved? Uh, yeah. A lot of times, you know, a, a jury, that's a separate decision that is made. Uh, I think it can be different in different cases. You may have a guilty verdict but not a death penalty, uh, or the death penalty is, as, is part of it or the jury can decide. You know that the death penalty isn't part of there, but first you have to decide if you're going for it. Uh, unfortunately, this becomes an economic thing for small counties because sure. when right when you have somebody with their life on the line in court, you've got to give them all the resources you possibly can. Yep. Uh, that includes uh, uh, attorneys who have who are uh, who have experience and have uh, the credentials to handle a death penalty case, and the, the whole ball of wax is, is different. Uh, all the resources, all the evidentiary things, all the discovery things that that can be done, you've got to do everything you can to see that those defendants are getting a fair trial when their lives are on the line. And, I, you know, from being a reporter and editor for many years, I've seen where this becomes an economic issue as well as a justice issue. And that shouldn't be, but uh, that is the way it is. Um, Sometimes, uh, you know... um, Whenever you have, uh, especially when you have a case of indigency, which is often the case with some of these defendants, uh, that's extra financial help that is needed, and you just can't have any court-appointed attorney handle that case. So that is something that is yet to be decided. Uh, It is certainly on the table as a possibility, because Mr. Payne's uh, initial uh, initial judgment was that this was in that league. You know, it it, it could qualify for a death penalty case. I know that there are two children who are victims in this case too, because they don't have a parent anymore. Correct. So, uh, this week, what is going to happen or could happen, uh, preliminary hearings could be held. Uh, that happens in a lower court, in this case, Vinton County court, where, uh, unless it's waived, um, and it doesn't happen, the prosecution will have to present enough evidence to what they call bind the case over to the higher court. This isn't a uh, conviction. This is just showing that there is, quote, probable cause to show that these crimes occurred uh, based on the charges. Um, Often the defense likes a preliminary hearing to be held because, you know, the prosecution has to show some of what it knows. Uh, Sometimes, though, there isn't a preliminary hearing and uh, the defendants are held, and then there is a grand jury indictment. Mm -hmm. There probably will be in this case. uh, The reason that you have an initial arrest without a grand jury indictment, when you have a serious crime like murder, you obviously don't want to wait till you impanel a grand jury and have a separate session. You want to arrest that person. Sometimes you're able to hold that person in jail longer because of a a probation violation or a parole Mm -hmm. violation, or maybe a warrant for some other unrelated crime, and then that's not an issue. But in this case, both of those defendants are being held pending a preliminary hearing. As of the end of the week, a preliminary hearing had not been set. So, you know, we'll, we will be following up on this uh, major, major news story uh, locally for us here in Jackson and Benton counties. Uh, really kind of a two-county story uh, because you have, uh, you know, a crime an alleged crime, that a horrible alleged crime that occurred in Vinton County, yep. and you have defendants who are from Wellston in Jackson, Jackson County, County, and that County. is where they were arrested. On the other end of the criminal justice pipeline, we had a major uh, case come through Jackson County Common Police Court late last week. A trial had been scheduled for the first of the week for a defendant by the name of Shawnee Norman. Shawnee uh, is a female and she, had, uh, she was a defendant in a rape case where there were other defendants. There's other defendants. Their cases have already come through court. Shawnee is 36 years old, address of uh, Jackson, and she was to go to trial uh, on a rape case involving uh, the alleged rape of a 10-year-old child. Instead of a trial occurring, we had a plea where Shawnee Norman... Um, pled guilty to to lesser charges than what was initially was in the indictment. She, uh, let's get this exactly, she pled guilty to, she pled guilty to, her trial was to begin on Monday. Instead, she opted to accept the plea. She pled guilty to one of the three rape counts that had been filed against her. The other two were dismissed. Uh, And this did involve a child under the age of 13, we understand, 10 at the time of the crime. She was sentenced on this one count of rape. Of course, you know, this is a serious charge, even when there's just one count. She was sentenced to 10 to 15 years in prison. She will receive credit for 648 days of jail time credit because she was being held while all this was taking place before the trial and the plea occurred. She's to have no contact with the victim in this case and will be required to register as a Tier 3 sex offender when she is released. So that was the uh, final defendant in this case. Of the other defendants who had been, uh, the, James Norman had been, um, had been sentenced earlier back, uh, back in 2020. This has been some time ago, and also wow. Shelby Hunt. Norman was the Burt Harold Road in Jackson. Shelby Hunt was the Neal Avenue in Galapagos. They are in prison now, um, serving time for their respective crimes that were committed during this period when the rape or rapes occurred. Uh, they made guilty pleas to three counts of rape. So, Shawnee Norman also charged with three counts of rape. She ends up, instead of going to trial, pleading guilty to one count of rape and was sentenced wow. last week. Okay. All right. Now, we're going to get to a story that affects everybody who drives a car or a truck, and that is sticker shock at Holy the gas pump. moly. Uh, we were monitoring, uh, you know, the, the gas uh, prices, and when I was driving to work on Thursday, I saw 379.9 all over town. Snapped a picture of it. We had a story in our Saturday paper, and, of course, it is a continuing story, and this is one that, you know, a- affects everybody, of sure course, does. that drives, and most people do. And even if you don't drive a vehicle, it's going to affect you because of the costs that go up. Well, yeah. For goods and services and for people getting here and there and and so forth. Correct. And, you know, lots of reasons for that, of course, uh, not the least of which, of course, is the situation with Russia and Ukraine as some of the Russian oil even comes to the United States. I didn't know how much did until all this ensued, I guess, about 5%. At one time, it wasn't Mm -hmm. any, but now it's 5% part of the oil and gas that we get. And of course, Europe, even more dependent. But looking at the local gas prices, Jennifer, yesterday, uh, they'd even changed a little bit. In Jackson, I saw at least one station that had hit $399. Uh, Out in the county, I saw a $409 in a rural area. Uh, In Wellston, it was mostly $379 a gallon, but it was $399 in a couple of places. In Colton, both gas stations, $399 yesterday. Uh, James Hamilton, uh, of course, our uh, our handy dandy production guru, yeah. uh, came through Oak Hill on his way to work. He saw one at 375, which is a little lower yeah. than ones we've seen, but then Did there, was, you stop? <laughs> there was also one at 399. Normally, you know, they yeah, seem, to, typically be, they kind seem of to be aligned. I think someone calls that collusion. Yes. You know, uh, I, that obviously does happen, you know, <laughs> make an editorial comment. But Anyway, uh, overall, right now in Ohio, the state av- or the average throughout the state of Ohio is three dollars and eighty-three cents a gallon. So actually, maybe just we're just a little bit better now in the counties in southeastern Ohio, Jackson County, Vinton County, and Coda County are the highest. But everybody is pretty kind of in there, clustered together. Um, the range, uh, the range in at national or the average, the national uh, price. Th- Average price gallon per gas is $4.06 a gallon. In California, there are some stations oh. that are pushing uh, $6 a yeah, gallon already. That. There were When I checked yesterday, there were six states where there were some places where it was $5 or more a gallon. Most of those are in the West. Uh, Illinois is real high. New York is real high. Pennsylvania is real high.
1: I wonder how long this is going to go on because I can remember the last time we had these gas surges. I mean, you want to talk about bringing the economy to a screeching halt and, and it does quickly. Well,
2: we know we already have the inflation, which part Correct. of that was the gas prices already because they were going higher. But in, in Jackson County, the average is 386.4. In Vinton County, I, we didn't do a check uh, individually at, in any of the towns like MacArthur, but the average in Vinton County, as of this morning, this was updated Three dollars and eighty-six cents a gallon, almost what Jackson County is. Uh, so just a little bit, a little bit lower. Um, the last thing that I saw uh, was uh, from Gas Buddy, which is one mm-hmm. of the main uh, internet places and email right. places you can go to for overall gas price checks and analysis. Uh, the average gasoline prices in Ohio rose fifty point six cents per gallon just last week. Fifty point six cents per gallon the last week. Uh according to uh gas buddy prices, the cheapest gas in Ohio, and I'd like to know where this is, was three dollars and nineteen cents a gallon. <laughs>
3: the most,
2: the most expensive was four ninety-nine a gallon. Whoa. I don't know where that is either, didn't say. Uh, but uh that was a major difference, a dollar eighty difference. Uh the national price rose 46.5 cents per gallon, and of course it is over now four dollars a gallon, four point zero six. Um Akron, Dayton, Columbus are all in the range of 379 to 382, and if you're uh, if you're going to try to get cheap gas in the area, you're not going to find it. But uh, Ross County is a little lower than Jackson County, and seems
1: to be the always the trend,
2: right? And Lawrence County is a little lower, Pike County is a little lower, but as you go uh, east, it tends to be more expensive. But right now, for whatever reason, the three most expensive counties are Jackson, Vinton, and Scioto. So uh, the analysis that I'm getting nationally and and this has local relevance is that if anything the gasoline prices are expected to go a little higher okay. uh, as a matter of fact uh, as a matter of fact uh, the gas buddy is predicting I'm going to read exactly what they say because okay. this is this affects all of us there are a few words to describe the unprecedented rise in gasoline prices over the last week with math- massive spikes coast to coast, in gasoline and diesel prices, oil prices have jumped to their highest level since 2008. Uh, this is, you know, the crude, uh, which you know has a whole lot to do with the price at the pump. We could be heading towards average gasoline prices of five dollars and fifty cents per gallon, and even six dollars and beyond in the coming weeks, according to Patrick DeHaan, who is the head of the analysts for Gas Buddy. We've never been in this situation before with this level of uncertainty as we lose a major global producer under the weight of deserving bipartisan sanctions through invading a sovereign country. Of course, he's talking about Russia invading Ukraine. The cost is high. Americans will be feeling the pain of the rise in prices for quite some time with little good news foreseen. So not very right. good, and normally that was
1: a little ominous, Pete.
2: Normally, the gas prices go up a little bit anyway as the weather warms because the summer blend uh, yep. gas uh, costs more. Uh, don't know why, but the summer blend costs more, and also there's more of a demand, demand for gas yeah. as the summer goes and people travel. So uh, we will certainly watch those uh, gas prices, but uh, we can remember. Ooh. We can remember just there. Uh, there were. There were What, two and a half years ago, I remember $2.08 per gallon or something. I mean, it really makes a difference. Uh, And, of course, as we said, you know, uh, there's not anybody who is immune from the effect of these gas prices.
1: Well, when it fluctuates, you know, even $0.10 or whatever, I don't think you really notice. But when we're talking about dollars, then... Holy moly! Then, then, then that's basically doubling your your gas bill.
3: Right,
2: and with inflation, I think the the last figure I saw, averaging seven percent, uh, you know, it's probably going to get worse now yeah. because there is such an indirect effect. I mean, you know, when you pay for the when you pay to fill it up, you know, you you see it then, but then you're going to see it with higher prices for most goods because most goods just don't land on shelves themselves. They, right, they're, they're transported they, there. Yes, right. Okay, well, we'll now turn to COVID-19. Okay. And this is kind of good news. As we know, the cases are really declining greatly all over the place, including here in Jackson and Vinton counties. Uh, the wearing of masks became uh, has been an issue everywhere. You know, uh, how often should kids have to wear the mask and where should they wear them, et cetera? Sure. Well, at the school board meeting in Vinton County last week, that was last Tuesday evening. Uh, of course, two weeks before They had voted uh, to end the mask wearing effective uh, March the 1st. Uh, And when we say the mask wearing, we're talking about uh, masks inside the buildings um, and any place where you couldn't do social distancing. If you do social distancing inside the buildings, it wasn't, you know, a pat thing that you always had to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask uh, on buses because it's public transportation.
3: Right. Well, now all that
2: all that has changed now. The CDC uh, has relaxed those rules. And now, uh, unless, you know, a school district wants to require a mask wearing on bus, on school buses, it's not, it's, it's, it's not required. It's not required unless, uh, you know, a school district like wants to do it, or you want to wear a mask through your own protection and the protection of others. You can still wear a mask in school buildings. Now, it's optional. It's not forbidden. It's optional. Uh, But at Vinton County, there was one issue uh, there, of course. They were glad to report about the CDC thing, and that's no longer an issue because that was debated. A couple of the school board members and, and citizens in Vinton County felt like the interpretation that school buses are public transportation was flawed. They feel that that's not public transportation. It's a certain group of people, not the general public. So they felt like that didn't apply. The legal folks who were advising the Vinton County uh, administration said that is public transportation. Mm-hmm. So that's the superintendent was holding these guns on that. And yeah. the health department, I think, supported that. But now that's not an issue. Cool. But there was one issue that they disagreed with when they were uh, updating their policy on mass in Vinton County. And that was something called, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of um, we will call it the mass to stay test to play policy, which I'll call the cluster policy. All right. And what that is, is uh, it leaves in place uh, that the school or the health department can require the wearing of masks if a cluster occurs, a cluster of cases. Now, two members of the school board voted against this because they felt like it wasn't defined what a cluster is. You know, a cluster, what is a cluster? Is it 10 cases, 20 cases, three cases?
1: Well, that's a fair question. Right,
2: right. It, it is. And the health department... Feels the Vinton County Health Department feels that a, a you know you can't define a cluster because it depends on the circumstances you know like you know how quickly do they occur where do they occur how many people are in the room and all like that it's a fluid thing so a number was not applied to the cluster two of the school board members felt that this was too vague were against it and they voted against the cluster policy but it was approved three to two the other three three school board members approved it okay. The other part of the policy is that uh, athletes uh, can continue to uh, compete in athletics if they've tested positive, as long as, as long as uh, uh, they get tested and then they test negative, then they can compete in sports again. You okay. know, um, they don't have to wear a mask or anything like that, as long as they have tested negative. Gotcha. Right, so that was the other part. uh, That was the other part of that. All right, a a good news story that we want to tell you about is taking place down on McCarty Lane, and that is what Truth Sports is doing with a new youth sports facility down there. Yeah, I've been paying attention. Right, I I, I know. I I think we're going to have Cardo's John Moore in to talk about that. Our good friend, and he's not wearing his pizza hat. He's wearing his youth sports hat (laughs) when he's in this time. That's right. he is the driving force, I feel, behind Truth Sports. And remember, this was kind of the same group that, uh, and this is, John, this is John Moore on the right accepting a donation from County Commissioner John Hensler. Yes. Uh, the reason that they turned in these pictures uh, for us to run in the paper, and we're showing them now on TV, is because it's not going to happen without donations. Correct. What they're trying to do is develop a soccer field. Uh, down off McCarty Lane on, uh, and this is another donor uh, that is
1: um, the Slarks.
2: That that is the Slarks, right? Yep. Um, that is Dale Slark and Isaac Slark and the Slark family there. Yep. Uh, I think uh, I think Dale might have some young soccer players, so mm-hmm. he has invested interest there. But there was a big check, a $500 check, uh, five hundred dollar check from. Oh, it was a thousand. Okay.
3: Five
1: thousand. Yeah, five thousand.
2: Oh, five thousand. Five thousand dollars. Okay. I didn't notice that. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That is big.
3: (laughs) Okay. That doesn't make you your investigative journalist. <laughs> well, well. Or, or, or I maybe or, 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 didn't I didn't notice or maybe, with that
2: Or, or maybe, well, or maybe all four eyes aren't working, well <laughs> but anyway. Uh, well, well, congratulations, Mr. Slark and John Moore, five thousand okay. dollars. That's a great do- donation.
1: All right. Well,
3: very good. Make, start making those checks better for Pete's eyes. I like, know, right? We bigger. need a bigger. Yeah, they were, it was big.
1: A bigger check. It was
2: big, but it, you know. But anyway, uh, the, the bottom line is that they are developing that soccer field there. They, can, they, they continue to need more donations, and uh, what they still need to do is uh, they need to recondition the field, which means install drainage, a sprinkler system, and work on the overall condition of the turf. They need to install a chain link fence around the property for security, and they need to construct a concession stand and storage building, as well as install utilities that go along with these additions. And I know as a businesswoman who has done some development, Jennifer, those things aren't cheap. No. They take money.
0: That's right. And
2: they're not counting on any government money. They're not counting on even a government grant. Right. They're counting on private donations to make this happen. Yeah. And so... It's for our kids. Right. And then in addition to uh, soccer in the spring, they want to do it this spring now. Ooh. In addition to uh, soccer, they want to do uh, flag football and cheerleading uh, in the fall. So cool. uh uh the truth sports it was upward in the beginning you remember that and yes. they did it on uh, the old Kenneson yes. uh, ground next to the baptist church the first baptist church is no longer the sponsor of upward and then it became truth sports later on it's but john moore who is a member of the first baptist church is carrying the torch there so you know he certainly deserves Absolutely. all the support that he can yeah, get he's- uh justin oyer is another board member there on that group, that uh, that nonprofit board that, that is uh, supporting and uh, fueling truth sports. All right. Another thing, you know, we talked about the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. We did. Pastor Terry Kavanaugh, uh, a lot of people know him. He was the minister a long time at the Calvary United Methodist Church. There he is. He is now the minister At the Cove United Methodist Church out in Souda Township, okay. Well, he came up with the idea to have a community prayer service to pray for the people of the Ukraine,
1: that's very appropriate. They certainly
2: need it. Uh, Based on all we hear of civilians uh, dying, civilians being rooted from their homes, it is extremely sad. An unprovoked attack. There is the uh, Ukrainian flag. We've probably seen that a lot on the news. But the service, this community prayer service, is going to take place Thursday evening at the Family Life Center of the Christ United Methodist Church, which is a great venue to have that. And so here in town, Terry uh, has done the organization on there. He's obviously working with the Christ United Methodist Church, which the Family Life Center, uh, it's part of their building. Uh, And the pastor, Josh Andrews, who is the new pastor at the church there, they're working together on it. But... uh, Reverend Kavanaugh has lined up uh, different individuals from the community, not just pastors, but also community members, uh, members from the public to do themed prayers. It's kind of along the lines of the National Day of Prayer Service that they have every May, themed prayers. But all these have to do, of course, with the crisis in the Ukraine. Uh, Praying for the citizens, praying for the businessmen, praying for the soldiers, uh, praying for uh, the media, praying for the Christians, praying for the border countries, uh, yeah. all those things. And it's, it's going to be completely all prayers, and it's going to be at 7 p.m. It's ecumenical. The public is welcome to come. You don't even have to believe in God to come to these things. I mean, it is yeah. a, it is about praying. It is about praying for uh,
1: for others. For,
2: for others, right, and to, to show your support. Uh, so, this is going to take place 7 p.m. at the Family Life Center of the Christ United.
1: I love that That's of the so Christ good. United
2: Methodist Church. It is free. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that they're going to take even any donations or anything like that. But it's you know, a way for our community to come together, uh, all of Jackson County, and uh, pray for uh, the delivery of the crisis there in the in the Ukraine. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, maybe later in the week. But once again. 7 p.m. this Thursday at the Family Life Center of the Christ United Methodist Church. Uh, we had a initial story in our Saturday paper. We are updating that for our Wednesday edition because they have more speakers now. And uh, we also have this story online uh, on our website, thetelegramnews.com, and uh, on Facebook as well. All right, in the village of Oak Hill, there's going to be a lot of good things happening this year because they got a $750,000 Neighborhood neighborhood revitalization grant.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: this project that I'm talking about now is not even one of those grant projects, but it is another improvement project that they're doing with state money, okay. and they are going to be installing LED lights in the traffic lights on Front Street and Oak Hill. There is uh, one of those traffic lights there on Front Street.
1: I was going to. I was. I'm glad James said it, and I didn't have to. Right, there, there,
2: uh, there, there. That's there, it. There, there are two. Oak Hill's got. got the bragging rights on um, <laughs> MacArthur. It's two to one. And, and on Colton, it's two to one to zero. It is. But but oh, but but anyway, shoot. the the LED, the LED lights do represent a major improvement there, and they're yeah. going to be able to to do that work in the very very near future. So. Uh, that's something that was been reported out of uh, the Oak Hill Village Council. All right. <clears throat> we do want to tell you that uh, through, this is the first time in three years, let's see, 2021, first time in three years we have not had to worry about whether or how much of a county fair we're going to have. At least that's the way it's <laughs> shaping up because of COVID-19, of course. Right. You know, the, the one year, you know, it, it looked like there might not be a fair at all. It turned out there was a partial fair. And then it was a little restricted last year, not quite a full fair. Well, this year, you know, it looks like the way things are going, they can have a full fair all over the state. And uh, the Ohio Department of Agriculture has determined what the dates are for the two fairs. They're always about the same, but we're going to give those to you right now. The Jackson County Fair will be July 14th through the 23rd. The Vinton County Fair, right behind it, uh, July 25th through the 30th. And um, uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, reporting a little
1: early for the county. for the We're
2: going to be be reporting uh, The the. I'm
3: sorry, I have
1: to send a message.
2: Yes, I'm
3: so so sorry. Hey, Pete, I've got a question. Have they said anything about whether or not they're going to have the state fair this year yet?
2: Yes, they are going to have the state fair. I have seen uh, a list of entertainment and dates and all like that. I believe it's going to start, James, very late in July. And uh, the meat of it will be those first two weeks of August. And it will be, of course, on the Ohio State Fairgrounds, which are off I-71, just, on, just, uh, just out of downtown Columbus, not too far at all. But we are going to give you more reports on the Jackson County Fair and Vinton County Fair, the entertainment, what they set up. Some of that is starting to come out.
1: Yay!
2: Right. But anyway, full junior fair and all that in Vinton County. Uh, they are celebrating the fact that this is the 100th anniversary of kids being involved in the fair. I don't know how far the Vinton County Fair goes back, but so the, cool. the youth component, I don't know whether it was 4-H in the very beginning or not, but the youth component, when the kids you know, were involved, that was 1922, so this is 100 years, wow. and I know that the folks there are selling special sponsorships uh, to support the fair and try to make it extra special this year, so I know that we will be telling you more about that as well. All right, today, there's going to be a very important meeting um uh, at these at the uh, Jackson City Council Chambers it's not a city council meeting or a, or a council committee meeting it is the visitors and convention commission meeting to make some early decisions about funding from the city's uh hotel tax or bed tax as it's known yes. for tourism projects and uh you know the, the what is tourism can be very broad but anything that you know supports people coming to town to visit uh, could be funded. You know, the the guidelines uh, are, are, are very broad. And and si- it's not city money technically that is used. It is money that uh, people pay when they stay at the hotels here. It's a yes. certain percentage. You, no matter where you go, you're going to pay It doesn't that.
1: matter. You're going to you know, pay the tax. You know,
2: you, you get on the line with the with the hotel person. They say, hey, listen, we'll give you room for $79. And then, <laughs> then you pay. <laughs> it's well, $150 a dollars a later. Minute. This is 110 <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's those extra taxes it that is. get put in there. You and know, one of them is the so-called bed, the bed tax. tax. It's going to be everywhere you go. Yeah. And you know the good thing about it is, uh, you know, it's money that's coming in from the outside, and it is supporting sure. tourism projects. Yes. it can be some event. It can be. Um, it can be. Uh, it can be anything. It it, it, it could be an event such as something that's going on at the fair. It can be a special event, uh, for instance, on alumni. Uh, we're not going to have alumni this year in Jackson. That's already been decided. But they always gave us a little money because right. uh, we brought in a couple hundred people, a lot of them from out of town. To Which a, stay a, in the hotels a, right. and ex- spend money ex- here. So, you know, we made a case that that helps bring people yeah. to town. They gave us a little bit of money to help us with our expenses. And so, like uh, the historical park uh, down down there on Broadway Street, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to develop. They don't have a big budget. Uh, they have asked for money before to, to help develop their historical sure. park. So, uh, anyway, we will know, we're going to staff that meeting, and we will know more uh, tonight uh, and later this week about maybe some of the things that have already been funded and some of the things that, uh, we're, that are seeking funding. All those funding decisions won't necessarily be made today. Maybe none of them will, but I know that applications uh, could have been turned in ahead of this meeting, and they may make some initial decisions. Okay. All right. We want to say congratulations to... Aubrey Thompson. Aubrey Thompson is the spelling bee winner in Vinton County. The Vinton County—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's the elementary and middle school yep. levels, and uh,
1: that trophy's bigger than she is. Right,
2: right. <laughs> Aubrey won the trophy. Uh, she is a fourth grader at West Elementary. Her winning word was harmonious. Spell it, Jennifer.
1: So okay, because. I well I already cheated because I watched her spell it.
2: Oh, okay. On a video. Right. But I
1: don't know that I could spell that word.
2: Okay. Harmonious. Well anyway. Heart so, so at home, if you can spell harmonious
1: harmonious.
2: Okay. Well I, heart, heart, I'm gonna make I'm gonna spell it for you folks at home, all right? And I'm gonna look at my list to make sure I say it right. Right. H A R M O N I O U S. Harmonious.
1: There you go. All you right. win, Pete.
2: Okay. Well, anyway, Aubrey plans to uh, own an engineering business one day, according to uh, uh. reporter Red Thompson. The uh, runner-up was Nicholas Waldron, who is a fifth grader at Central Elementary. Uh, that's the elementary in in MacArthur. His ambition is to become a doctor. Uh, we had. Uh, we're going to have an initial story and picture in our Wednesday paper and we're going to have a a bigger story Saturday that has more pictures and more information, more names of the contestants because of course you're a winner when you qualify to just be in the contest. And once again, these are kids in elementary, I believe, grades four through uh, the middle school grade eight that compete in this. So uh, congratulations to all the winners, but especially Aubrey Thompson. All right. uh, The Park's Edge Bridal uh, the Park's Edge Event Center was a uh, buzzing yesterday. i say it
1: was popping yesterday. They had
2: a Bridal Expo. It is the second annual Bridal Expo. Now, there wasn't one in 2021, so it kind of snapped the word annual. But right. we know why, COVID-19. Yes. There was one in 2020. Uh, this was one of the pictures uh, that I'm going to run in the paper. I thought it was cute. It's a mother-daughter yes, on the fashion that. show park. That is Tashina Brown yep. uh, with her daughter, Olivia Brown. Uh, I don't know how old Olivia is, but I think she's five or six or whatever. And there was a rotating fashion show uh, uh, for most of that expo. I was there Mm. for about an hour yesterday. And uh, Andrea's prom and bridal, of course, downtown, uh, they provided the models for the fashion show. There were eight adults and Olivia as well uh, to uh, show different uh, bridal dresses and prom dresses uh, during, during the event. And uh, it was a very nice event uh, in a great venue, of course, the Park Edge Event Center with that big room, plenty big enough, 12 vendors there. Uh, One of the vendors, uh, by the way, was our own James Hamilton, who had- and now, now, James, in addition to doing all his full-time work here, he does videography.
1: That's right. And
2: videography, that's something that you would think that uh, brides and grooms I would want. I think that
1: that's a good thing to have at a wedding, right. isn't it?
2: Right. We've always had photography, but now we're in a different age, videography.
3: So, did you get
1: to talk to a lot of people, James?
3: I did. I talked to a lot of interesting people. It was a really nice event.
1: You know, it has to be, you know, this, this pandemic has really messed with weddings. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad because, you know, as a little girl, you grow up and you think about your wedding and all of that. And then to have something like out of your control, completely take it away from you or to mm-hmm. force you to postpone it or whatever. It's so nice that, yeah. that people are able to get back into that again. Well,
3: for example, I, one of the weddings that I, I did cover last year, you know, they had just a small service at kind of a restaurant sort of thing. Yes. And now this spring, they're going to have a larger, ceremony kind of i see they weren't able to do when with all the they're going to you know, do COVID. it again but right.
1: the big one that they wanted yeah. to do yeah makes sense
2: but anyway it was a very nice event uh we'll have some photos uh in uh one of our editions upcoming editions of uh of the telegram uh, had a chance to to talk briefly with Mandy Harris Mandy Harris is the new general manager at the Park's Edge Event Center um, a lot of folks know Mandy from, uh, for years she was, uh, uh, an activities director at Jenkins Care Community. Okay. And then also, uh, in another part of her life, she was on Hamden Village Council <laughs> there in Benton County. And just, uh, she's just a real forward go-getter. I'm sure she'll be great for the good. Parks Edge Event Center. And, uh, she was the one who, of course, put together the event, uh, with the help of course of Andrea's and all those vendors who participated. Sure. It looked like there was a good a good turnout yesterday, so um, we will certainly keep our eye on uh, the Parks Edge Event Center and all the cool things going there. She says there's lots of things going on. There's a big business meeting there this morning, as a matter of fact. Very good. All right. Um, okay, we went to we're going to go from brides to Batman.
1: Batman, Batman, the Batman.
2: Batman was like Santa <laughs> Claus in December. He was everywhere. He last was week, right. Batman was in our local schools. Uh, There he is talking to the students at the Christian Life Academy just outside Jackson. Uh, He was also at all the elementary schools uh, in Jackson as well, Uh, Northview, Southview, and Westview Elementary, uh, later on, he, uh, I know he was in Gallopolis as well, uh-huh. and uh, there, he, there he was uh, wearing the, the green hat. I think he borrowed that from somebody I in the wondered, crowd. I wonder.
1: I don't remember but, Batman uh, wearing a green hat.
2: But his message was he had an anti-bullying message, made, which is so important it there is. at that level, and also empowerment. You know, he wanted, the, he wanted the, the students to feel good about themselves and, and how to do that. And, uh, of course, when you get that kind of advice and encouragement from a superhero, it means something. But uh, another reason that Batman was here is that, of course, the new movie, The Batman, is out. The Batman. And you can see that uh, at all the, uh, lo- the theaters in the area, including the ones that are locally owned here. Boy, it, uh, uh,
1: it opened to a big weekend. Well, there's,
2: there's some folks. I know we've talked with Josh Willett, uh, who, along with Cora, you know, own and operate some of the theaters around here, including Tri-City. He was thinking that it could rival Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, they they knew that when it came, it would be in that league as far as uh, its potential goes. But anyway, it is now playing at the Tri-City Theater here in Jackson, as well as the Silver Screen Cinema down on Galpolis and over at Danbury Cinema in Chillicothe. And at Danbury Cinema on uh, last uh, Friday, they had a ribbon-cutting ceremony to kind of uh, recognize the new ownership Batman was there as well. So, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a uh, real exciting all the way around. Uh, the Danbury cinema uh, is now locally owned. And when I mean locally owned, I'm, I'm talking about from here in Jackson, Sure, uh, Josh and Cora Willett just added something else to do, uh, as, as they own that cinema. And I know that was, uh, uh that's local relevance for us because it's local folks, but it was so important, I think, for a town the size of Chillicothe yeah. to get a cinema back. that
1: didn't have their movie it, it theater been, anymore.
2: It had been closed for some time um, and then, of course, was sold. And after some improvements made, uh, reopened very recently, and this was kind of like the formal grand opening. Sure. All right. So uh, we're going to go from Batman to Linton. To Lent.
1: To Lent. We are in
2: Lent now. It,
1: it is, yes. And Lots there, of fish there, on it, Fridays,
0: <laughs> right?
2: Right. Uh, fish tastes good on Fridays, yeah. whether whether you know you're <laughs> know. a Catholic or not. But uh, the Lay Lenten Luncheons, which are uh, have a long history in Jackson, it, it's ecumenical as well. But they are held so during fun. during the six weeks of Lent. They are held at the First Baptist Church. That has been the host church for some time. But a lot of the local churches are involved and. They set up uh, basically what is a luncheon program. Yes. They have a light lunch there, but it's, but it's nice lunch, sandwiches and soup usually. It starts at noon, and they have it set up so it will be over by 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so even if you're a working uh, person, you, know, you can plan your lunch yep. around that 1, and, and also find out. a way to recognize and celebrate and observe Lent. And uh, it happens during all six six weeks of Lent, and the first one will be this Wednesday. It will be at noon, once again, at the First Baptist Church, which is at 35 Broadway Street in Jackson. And uh, the Jackson Ministerial Association, in connection with the participating churches, do this. It will take place each Wednesday at noon.
1: There you go. (coughs) And it's lots of fun, and it's such good fellowship (coughs) as well. I don't think they were able to do that last year. Were they, they did not do that. So it'll be it'll be back this year,
2: right? It'll be back this year. And I remember they did it in two thousand twenty, but it but I believe they only got one or two events mm-hmm. in, and then they then it, they stopped it yeah. because that is when uh, you know the COVID hit. All right, uh, we want to uh, take our hats off to the kids at Oak Hill Elementary School they went together and had what they call a Super Bowl fund drive S O U P E R is how they spelled it because it was about food
1: uh-huh. and
2: how successful were they they were able it, it they ended this on February 11th which was uh, the weekend of the Super Bowl they were able to collect more than 3000 food items, and those that food was handed over to the Oak Hill Food Pantry.
3: That's great.
2: So, you know, the kids, great service project there in conjunction with the Super Bowl, so it was fun Mm -hmm. and service at the same time. Love it. All right. You know, we talked uh, about six weeks ago, Jennifer, maybe not quite that long ago, about the uh, quilt show at the Liberty Lane store in downtown Jackson. Well, it ended uh, on the weekend of February the 19th, and uh, Amanda Waters, uh, as promised, uh, did a People's Choice thing. People come in and they can pick their favorite hand hand quilted quilt and their favorite machine quilted quilt. And here are the two winners. On the left uh, is Pam Jacobs, <clears throat> and wow. Pam had the best handmade quilt. And on the right is Lynn Starkey. Yeah. She had the best machine quilted quilt.
3: So right? just to be clear here, Pete, the quilt that's of sewing machines was not made with a sewing machine? <laughs> no, it was not. It was, it was, it was
1: done by hand. That, the irony in that is...
3: <laughs> no, that is, that is true. Well, it looks like there's some irons on there too, Jen, if you look on the third I, row well, from I the I meant bottom. pun intended. Yeah, pun intended.
2: <laughs> but anyway, there were about... That th- is so cool. There were about 20 quilts. And, you know, uh, they have a quilt show every year at the Marquet, and if you, if you think about it, I mean, the quilts are beautiful. You don't think of them as art, but that's exactly oh, what they, they are. they absolutely are. Uh, and the fact, you know, you know, a lot of creativity goes into it. A lot of time goes into it. It's just like a painting almost. Sure. So those were the two winners. It's all over with now. You can't see it, but we wanted to show you uh, pictures of the two winners. We'll have those pictures in the paper as well. The Oak Hill Free Will Baptist Church is going to have a clothing giveaway uh, this Saturday, March the 12th. Uh, It will be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. The church is located on State Route 279. That is just across the road from the CM Cemetery. Uh, In addition to the clothing giveaway, anyone that come, they have soup and sandwiches uh, to uh, provide as well there. Uh, Once again, that is open to the public, just not those people in need uh, for the clothing giveaway. Okay. Uh, I also know that the, um, that the, uh, S- uh troop 57 spaghetti dinner is going to take place spaghetti dinner and auction this Saturday evening. Yay. I think it starts at four o'clock. We'll go into the evening at the, uh, St. Peter and Paul uh-huh. parish hall. It's uh, always a big one. It, this will be a big one. This is a big event to support the scouts. Uh, they will not have some of the fun contests that they've had in the past because, you know, they're still worried a little bit sure. about the COVID. But they used to have spaghetti eating contests and pie eating <laughs> contests. And they will hopefully be able to do those again. But that that is always a well-attended event and goes back a long way. Yes, A lot of support does. for that auction there. And, of course, you get a great spaghetti dinner as well for a very low cost. All right. Uh, it is a time of the year where things are greening up. And uh, we're going from winter to spring. And as a result, at some of the cemeteries there, of uh, the uh, entities that run those cemeteries uh, are asking people to remove the winter decorations in time for the mowing season uh, we have received such an announcement from the city of jackson they asked that all winter decorations this includes flowers wreaths, grape blankets all these things like that they should be removed and disposed of uh, no later than thursday march the 31st so it's the end of the month okay. if you have any questions you can call the cemetery office uh, the same thing, uh, same announcement comes from the village of Colton. That's where the Colton Cemetery is. Pretty big cemetery for a village. Sure. Uh, all winter decorations, this includes flowers, wreaths, grave blankets, etc. They should be removed and disposed of from the cemetery no later than Friday, April the 1st. So they're going on that uh, end of the okay. month, beginning of the month schedule as I, well.
1: Not to interrupt, but when do we change the time?
2: Uh, this weekend,
1: this coming weekend. This,
2: okay.
3: This weekend just, That's very important. Okay. Very important. Did I just tell you that like an hour ago?
1: No, you said spring.
3: It's the same time.
1: Oh, the first day of springs when yeah, you turn the,
3: yeah. So, uh, well, okay. So I, I was wrong. Okay. The spring forward is next week and the first day of spring is still a week, a week after that.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: I apologize.
1: See how he treats me. I,
3: I know. <laughs> See, I was trying to accuse you, but I was the one that made the mistake. <laughs> no, but but, he, but totally he owned right. up to it. Real he did. Quick there. He,
1: he did.
2: Right. So, yeah. Spring forward, fall back. It, it is a little confusing because you think what well, should be when spring happens, right? Right. We're one week ahead of spring on okay. that. Okay.
1: Well, that's okay.
2: All right. Well, we do want to turn to a little. So bit. So don't
1: be late everywhere you go <laughs> next week. <laughs> we
2: do want to return. We do want to talk a little bit about sports. Yeah. Unfortunately, our Jackson Ironmen were uh knocked out of the tournament um, soundly last Friday. Uh, They played Um, a Waverly team. They
1: faced a team that's just insane.
2: Jackson lost 81 to 50. I never thought I would see them get beat that bad because they have a great defense. Um, And, and even though, you know, they're outman and maybe out talented by some teams um, Waverly, just, I've never seen a team so hot to start a game. Yeah. I think they hit their first five or six shots, including a couple three pointers uh, Jackson got off to a slow start on top of that. It was 27-6 to 6 at the end of the first quarter. Gotcha. And 47-17 uh, to, 47 to 17 in gotcha. halftime. 81-50 to 50 is not close, but it could have been so much worse, but Jackson did not give up. They played Waverly even in the second half, and this wasn't against Waverly's second stringers. It just, you know, Jackson just played much better, showed their pride out there. Uh, still ended up with, you know, an outstanding season based on the fact that they had a tournament run all the way to the district championship game. Waverly will advance to the regional, and, you know, I think that they are good enough that they may even make it to the state. We will see because, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the teams that they'll be playing. But uh, based on records and how good Waverly looked against Jackson, especially in that first half, I think they got a shot. They got a young man named Trey Robertson, who is a four-year starter. He is the son of the coach. Not a big guy, but one of the best guards around. Averages about twenty-five points a game. Mm. He had fourteen in the first quarter and twenty-four in the first half to kind of
1: Insane.
2: get Waverly going.
1: Saying, and I think was it? I think Jamie was telling me that he scored how many points in his career?
2: He has scored over two thousand. Over two. They they stopped thousand. They, they stopped points. the game to honor him for going over the. 2, Are you
1: kidding now, me? Now
2: remember, you get you get you get all sorts. Do the math. Of, you get all that. sorts of attention when you hit one thousand. Correct. Points. He hit two thousand.
1: Correct. Like, if you think about it, you do the math. If you like, Jamie was doing the math in his head, but he's like, he's had to have scored like twenty. Some points a game.
2: That's about what it is. You know, they do play more Every games. Every game. They do play more games than they used to. They used to play 18 games not too long ago. Now they play 22. And, of course, and when you, if you have a good team and you play in the tournament several games, you get, you know, more chances sure. there, too. But still amazing, incredible <laughs> points for, point. for, for Trey Robertson. And so now on the Ironman side, we do want to say, once again, they were only the fifth team uh, in Jackson High School history to yes. make it this far in the so tournament. Good. And uh, I need to say this one more time. Coach Max Morrow did it in spite of the fact that his two best players, one of them didn't play at all, Evan Spires, injury football. Huh. Drew Bragg, who has a uh, health condition that presents, that keeps him from exerting himself very much. In basketball, you exert yourself, you run know, a lot. You're yeah. a, a lot. Uh, he did not play until towards the very end of the season and then then just a few minutes each game. So, okay. two players he didn't have. Tristan Prater, who became a great player this year, mm-hmm. broke his foot about, the, about two-thirds into the season, so he couldn't play. Yep. Logan Miller, who ended up being real good at the end of the season, didn't play until the final two weeks of the season. So you have four of his best players who could not really Ooh. help him the whole season and still finishes 12-12 and 12 and has a tournament run. Yes. So you know, you got to take that into consideration. Uh, speaking of basketball honors, we want to tip our hat to um, uh, Jackson uh, girls basketball coach, Matt Walburn. He was named as one of the district coaches of the year. Uh, There is Matt, right? Of course uh, they won the FAC title this year. Uh, They went to the district semifinal where they were beaten by the Vinton County lady Vikings, a turnaround season. And that team, uh, had four sophomore starters. Yes. So I think, He's got, th- think yeah. they will be heard they're from young. here exactly. And they're they're great girls who play together. They're strong academically. So you know the future seems mm-hmm. bright there. Uh, so congratulations uh, to Matt for being uh, one of the district coaches of the year in Division Two. Yeah. In Division Two. One of the players of the year is Cameron Zinn from Vinton County. Sure. And Cameron, remember, she got picked as the best small forward in the state in an internet poll. Yeah. Which was uh, impressive. But there is Cameron, number 32. By the way, she chose to wear the number of her mother, Erica Zinn, who is now the treasurer of the Vinton County cool. Schools. And Erica... Had all kinds of record at Benton County. Was a great player. Went on to be a great player at Shawnee State University, too. Yep. And Erica wanted to have her number, which in and of itself put some pressure on you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well,
2: Cameron turned into a great player uh, in her own right, as uh, evidenced by the fact she's been named the District Player of the Year. Uh, she was a good scorer, but she was an outstanding rebounder. Uh, she always got a lot of steals, assists, assists. Uh, one of the best defensive players that you'll find in the entire state, according to the experts. Uh, she is one of uh, six seniors on that Vinton County team that had the great run, including going to the state tournament last year, f- uh, going to the state championship game before they finally lost. And uh, Cameron, uh, believe it or not, is not going to play basketball in college. She's going to play volleyball. That's probably her <laughs> favorite sport and best sport. That's going to be at Wheeling University University. In West That's Virginia. So cool. But congratulations to Cameron Zinn. She is the epitome of, a, of an all around player. And her proud grandfather, Ron Hayes, who knows a little bit about basketball, told me when I asked to assess her game, he said that her most impressive trait is her competitiveness and her work ethic, not, any, not anything like her athletic ability. Right. Or the fact that she's a, a, a great rebounder and a good scorer talked about the intangible. So that's maybe a lesson for other athletes coming sure. up on what it takes to be great. Uh, but anyway, uh, that is our new stack for today. And we made it to the top of the hour.
1: We did. Um, I do have a, an announcement here about the Jackson bow hunters, white tails, unlimited banquet. It's going to be Saturday, March 26th. Social hour begins at 5. p.m., And the dinner is at 6 30 p.m. It will be held at Candor's Cave. Uh, tickets are $45 for a single, $25 for a spouse, and $25 for a junior. Okay. Um, okay. Deadline to order tickets is March 25th, so you can call uh, Kenny Moon at 418-7404.
2: Right, and I talked that. To, to Kenny when he was he was in at the end of the week uh, providing some information to the paper as well and to the radio, And he says that a lot of this money that they get from this banquet and the auction that they have out there goes to support youth sports.
1: Oh, very good. On the
2: outdoor side.
1: Okay. Good thing. And, well, it's cycle search time too. Okay. Are you ready? And don't forget that today's cycle search clue, um, which can get you, if you find that packet, Um, can get you that KO 250 dirt bike with the accessories package thanks to Total Media and Honda Suzuki Polaris Can-Am of Jackson so good luck to you all out there and today's uh, clue is brought to you by Papa John's and McDonald's of Wellston and MacArthur so I want to thank them all right clue 16 are you ready I'm ready do you have your pen and paper ready
2: I always have my pen. And, it, I have my pen and paper, always ready. He always ready. has a pen and paper. All right, three pens.
1: That's right. Um, okay. Clue number sixteen. Cycle search is on. A bike is yet to be won. Make sure you pay attention, but also have some fun. Okay. So having fun. Hmm.
2: Does that mean something?
1: I don't know.
2: Maybe. Maybe not.
1: Pay attention, but also have some
2: fun. All right. There
1: you go. All right. Um, Rain in the forecast is supposed to be fairly warm today, but then like cool off as the day goes on. And then um, it gets a lot cooler as, as the week rolls on. So again, it's spring, right? It's just all over the place.
2: Remember, uh, Maybe the month that disappoints you the most is March March. because you think you've made it. (laughs) There's a light at the end of the tunnel. You really haven't. No,
1: (laughs) but it sure is. But you know it can't be long, though. That's right. That's right. Once you get to March, I feel like everyone's just like, okay, I can do this. February is like questionable. (laughs) So nothing good about February. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We thank you so much for tuning in and we will be right back here tomorrow.